The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, our show, Lloyd, is about privacy and surveillance law, and we are welcome... We're so happy to welcome back a guest that we had on about a year ago, Steve Posner, who's a wonderful attorney and privacy expert, and he is the author of the annually updated legal treatise called Privacy Law and the U.S. Patriot Act. And he emphasizes um, in his law, in his law practice, everything from technology to privacy, surveillance, intellectual property, business law and litigation. And he has been a frequent speaker on these issues, and he is just wonderful. And you can find out a lot more about him at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy, where we have his picture, his bio, and his URL, which is a Posner Law, that's P-O-S-N-E-R law.com, where he has uh, all sorts of wonderful information. So thank you again, Steve, for joining us. It's really wonderful to have you back. It's my pleasure to be here. Well, let me just ask you one thing. You, you have a really good question on your blog area, too, where you say, okay, why does privacy matter, or does it matter? Let's just start out with that. Well, I guess the question is, matter to whom? <laughs> uh, the question was asked in the context of whether uh, privacy matters to the younger generation of people who are coming up and putting all their information out on Facebook or uh, on LinkedIn. But really, I was thinking in, at, at that time of the personal information that people put out, uh, the, the pictures of themselves nude or drinking uh, that will come back to haunt them 10 or 15 years later. And I also asked it in the context of some of the uh, uh, social networking websites who have said things akin to "you have no privacy anymore, get over it." Right, right. So, you know, the, does it matter? Well, yeah, it matters, but people don't necessarily think it matters because it hasn't come back to bite them quite yet. Yes, but once it does, then all of a sudden they have a, a whole new light. <laughs> A whole new perspective on privacy, that it is really, you know, it's not just the right to be left alone. It's, you know, to right to have some control over your life, over what's being said about you, what's being transferred about you, what's being shared about you. 
it's getting worse and worse every day, especially with the social networking, especially with all of the collection of information by various companies that are selling this information without our knowledge. It's, it's, it's a crazy time. But, you know, I, I really wanted to ask you something that we didn't really talk about before, and that's about um, domestic predator surveillance. That's pretty scary. Why don't you kind of give us an overview about what domestic predator surveillance is? And I, you know, a lot of people don't even know that it's happening. If you look at the military's descriptions of the predator drones, they are first and foremost hunter-killers. Uh, as we know from you know, the announcements of various assassinations that have taken place using these things. But they're also, uh, secondarily, a surveillance technology. And back in 2004, uh, there was legislation passed to make use of unmanned aerial systems of various kinds along the borders. Now, the Predator, uh, which is one of the more sophisticated of these technologies, can stay up in the air for, depending on who you talk to, between 16 and 30 hours. Mm. And the idea has been to have these things flying along the borders, and if an illegal immigrant, for example, is or a group of them is spotted coming over one of the borders, either Canadian or Mexican, it can actually circle the area and track the movements of these folks. Uh, or they can just continue to fly along a long path, and they can cover you know, hundreds of miles in a session. Initially, they were uh, going to be used kind of sporadically. They were putting up, I think, five or so of them. Now they're using more of them. And the idea is to uh, just see what kinds of uh, illegal activities might be taken along the border. Now, they have the capability of scanning uh, within 10 miles or so on either side of the border. Mm. And depending on where you are, uh, you know, there are these megalopolises, uh, especially up in the Pacific Northwest and along the uh, Texas, you know, Arizona, California border lines, uh, you know, uh, San Diego, Tijuana, you know, Brownsville, those areas. Uh-huh. Uh, and there are millions of people who live there. Now, if you go back to when I was in law school, it was a fairly recent case. There was this case of uh, a Dow chemical plant, and there had been a satellite that had uh, passed overhead and had uh, photographed down into the Dow chemical lot and had uh, uh, identified some illegal activity. And the U.S. Supreme Court said that that sort of thing was permissible. Uh, you know, it wasn't going into anybody's property lines or the curtilage or anything of that nature. Uh, the curtilage being you know, the uh, area immediately around somebody's home. Right. But these inevitably will do that. Mm-hmm. They're going to you know roll over people's property lines if they live within ten miles or so of the border, and you're going to see what's going on in the backyards. Wow. So it's is it taking videos or is it taking photos or what exactly is it doing? It depends on the package that they have. Uh, there are electro-optical cameras. Mm. There are forward-looking infrared cameras, which are very useful at night. You know, they pick up uh, body heat. Oh, so they could see if you're growing marijuana in your closet in your house or something. Well, I don't know about that. You know, they haven't gotten quite as sophisticated as being able to look through walls 
quite yet. I see. Uh, there are synthetic aperture radars that are on some of these packages. Right now, they're being used to look down through uh, smoke and inclement weather, mm-hmm. you know, clouds and such. They can pierce solid objects in that sense, you know, things that you and I could not look through. Wow. But there are um, synthetic aperture radars that are being used to actually look through walls on the ground level. And, and the sophistication of the technology is increasing. I've seen demonstrations of some of these where uh, a soldier or a police officer will put one of these units uh, up against a wall, and you can actually see the locations of people as they are moving against one another, mm. uh, right through the wall. Wow. Uh, so it's probably just a matter of time before these can be applied at a distance. So, so they're gathering this information uh, on uh, 10 miles on each side of the border, and what about, is there any reasonable expectation of privacy in your backyard when they're doing this, or what? Well, you know, they're not actively looking to see what you're doing in your backyard. Right. Uh, now, if they actually saw a bunch of guys, you know, who looked very suspicious, you know, they profiled them because they were wearing turbans and they happened to have a pile of C4 that they were assembling in a backpack, I don't know what they would do. But they're not supposed to be looking in people's backyards. That's not the purpose. The purpose is supposedly to protect the privacy of the border. But the danger with any of these technologies is mission creep. Yes. And uh, what do you do with it when you see it? And it looks bad. And then you do something that perhaps you wouldn't have considered doing if you were a police officer five years ago, and uh, it goes to court, and the court says that it's okay. Well, now everybody does it. So that's the next thing that you've got to watch out for on a regular basis. Well, because somebody say, might oh, be okay, saying, well, this is an exigent yeah. circumstance. It looked like somebody was building a bomb. Right. So, right. And then you have yet another Fourth Amendment exception. Right, right. So, so people listening might say, well, look, you know, we want to avoid... Techno- uh, terrorism. We want to avoid cr- criminal behavior, but what what about those of us who are just you know sitting in our backyard and and maybe in the nude because they, there's high walls and you want to get a nice suntan? What about that? Well, not that now, I now do you're that. The question is to what they do with all this footage. <laughs> right? Do they keep it? Do they store it? Uh, you know, how do they store it? I've been tra- actually trying to trace that, and I haven't been able to find an answer yet. Uh, I, I'm sure that they keep it for a limited amount of time, uh, but does it ever go back to a central location, and is it stored indefinitely, as a lot of uh, information is? Is it considered to be uh, law enforcement information or classified information or something else that cannot be exposed uh, through the um, freedom, freedom of information? information yeah. Act request. Here, for example, uh, I, I was just looking the other day, and um, I was I found a log of a Freedom of Information Act request pertaining to unmanned. Uh, airborne vehicles uh, from back in 2009, and I have not been able yet to determine whether or not it was ever responded to. So it may have been. I I don't want to accuse DHS of not having done it, but people have put in the requests, and they do often take a long time to get responded to. 
not through any ill will, but simply because... They're overwhelmed, probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I guess the question would be is, okay... We, we talked about the purpose. The purpose is to, to look for, you know, maybe illegal aliens coming over and kind of make, do some research on that um, and and look for illegal activity. But in other words, who has access to this? That's the question. And like you said, how long is it stored? Because now we know you can store, you know, oh my goodness, how much on a, on a little tiny uh a thumb drive. I mean, who knows what you can store? Probably forever you could store this stuff, right? I mean, you don't even need a, a huge storage place for, to store information on a chip, right? Right. And the, the real problem with the advent of this sort of technology may be less that the government is doing it with something that is as scary sounding as a predator, which, by the way, they've recently renamed the Reaper. It does not fit. But just make it <laughs> the feel Reaper? R E A P E R? Yep. It sounds like a grip. It's oh, the MQ9 Reaper. That's what it is. <laughs> MQ9 Reaper now. That's a little scary, got a too. maritime version they call the Guardian. But anyway, uh-huh. uh, what's a little bit more interesting in my mind is that, for example, the Houston Police Department is now testing an unmanned drone. Oh. And, you know, they're going to, I suppose, they intend to fly these things around and just look for bad acts. Gosh, this is a, a real police state. It, it reminds me of, like, Minority Report or something, that movie. It's, it's really uh, quite scary to think that you, you're going to be watched wherever you go with these things if that happens. There are small ones now. Um, one of the... In Iraq, there are units, uh, infantry units, that are carrying around these small handheld jobs, huh. and they'll just send them up in the air, and they'll go scope out what uh, you know, the, the bad guys are doing, you know, over the next hill. Right. And uh, I suppose that uh, we're going to see that in the city. Here, let me see something. Here is. Oh, this is interesting. I hadn't known about this. This one just came up. Here's a document from November of 2007 revealing that the Las Vegas Police Department was using unmanned aerial vehicles and systems to patrol the city and deliver aerial imagery during incidents or special events. Mm. So let's say I go to a protest and they're getting images of me at a protest. And and I don't, is that a biometric image? I mean, I don't even know what could be used with that image to to hurt my reputation just because I'm walking by when this protest is going along? You know, I mean, who knows what could happen? There is, there's really little oversight over this, isn't there? Well, there is oversight, but it's all experimental, and you've got differing codes. You know, Europe is supposed to be much more protective of people's privacy than the U.S., but they've got video surveillance ca- cameras all, all over the city of London. Exactly. exactly. So... You know, privacy is in the eye of the beholder. And I guess if you have really crazy people who can do an awful lot of harm, it's worth it to see if you can get a biometric match. Now, you know, facial imagery is supposedly pretty reliable. You know, I'm trying to play the devil's advocate here a little bit. Sure, you know, there, sure. there is good reason for trying to prevent people from doing terrible harm you know, yes. with weapons of mass destruction. Yes, of course. On the other hand, when you see an article, and this is, I, I am not writing this. I'm reading this off of a website called Public Intelligence Net, and I don't know the reliability of it, but nevertheless, okay. 
In a scene that could have been inspired by the movie Minority Report, one North Carolina county is using a UAV equipped with low-light and infrared cameras to keep watch on its citizens. Mm. It has been dispatched to monitor gatherings of motorcycle riders at the Gaston County Fairgrounds, just a few hundred feet in the air, close enough to identify faces, Mm. and many more uses, such as aerial detection of marijuana fields, are planned. Yeah. Now, here is one of the scarier things in terms of the psychology behind this. Yes. There are two congressional reports for Congress on the predator border surveillance technology. One is from 2005 when they just uh, got the congressional authorization to put these into effect. And uh, it was by a gent named Christopher Bolcom who was a specialist in national defense, and he recognized that there were people who uh, were very concerned about privacy. And in fact, he says a final potential question pertains to civil liberties such as personal privacy. Mm-hmm. Some are concerned that UAVs deployed over the United States may provide government agents a new ability to clandestinely monitor citizens. Now, that was from 2005. In 2010... A similar report was published, but in that one... And who published that report? This is uh, the Congressional Research Service. Oh, okay, okay. And now we have another one called Homeland Security Unmanned Aerial Vehicle Border Surveillance, and it was written by a specialist in military aviation and a specialist in immigration policy, and the word privacy never appears in the report. Interesting. It's just not considered at all. Hmm. So the issue is not that people aren't trying to monitor this. It's that it's an uphill battle. The more you become aware that there are uh, potential spies in the sky, you know, looking at every move, Mm -hmm. the less reasonable it becomes to have an expectation of privacy. And Mm -hmm. so the courts tend to hold. Uh, As a result, you've got some judges who are looking at – things like the GPS monitoring, who are actually using 1984 as an analogy. Uh-huh. Yeah, these are federal judges say, hey, 1984 is here. It took a little longer, Yeah, but we yeah. got it. Right. And uh, right now the Supreme Court, of course, is uh, starting to look at just this sort of thing, the idea of, of what is a tracking device. Well, with these technologies, I mean, they are just... The, the technologies are going at lightning speed. Everybody is creating this incredible technology, and yet there's no they're they're creating the technology without the the forethought of what is said to be privacy by design. In other words, building in some privacy protections for non criminals and for others um, at the at in into the architecture of the product or into the architecture of how this product is used. That's, it's just not being, it's not the same people who are, the, they're not bringing in people like you to say, let's look at some of these issues. Yes, this is good for criminal behavior. Yes, this is good for anti-terrorism. But how do we implement some privacy protections to protect our Fourth Amendment? Well, Nobody's do doing it. They do. Well, huh? well, yeah. I don't know how seriously it's really taken. 
DHS, for example, has got an office of privacy. Well, they have a committee. That no, they, no, no. They have an office of privacy. Yeah, I know they do, and they and they have privacy experts from across the country that really aren't really doing that much because I know a few of them who are on that committee, and they but, don't really have that much of a say. They have published a few hundred privacy impact assessments right. of various systems. Right. Now, they've got an uphill battle in that department. Number one is that the funding is a tiny fraction of the funding for the development of the systems and the infrastructure. Right, right. Number two is that the infrastructure takes on a life of its own. You know, you can repeal laws. It's easy to repeal something like the Patriot Act and say, oops, you can't do that anymore. The problem is they've spent billions and billions of dollars doing it already, and that can't be repealed. Mm-hmm. Those systems are there, and they're working, and they're not going away. And everybody wants to improve them because it's, it's a big industry. Yes. So, of course... This goes on a pace, and there doesn't seem to be much in the way of stopping it. The uh, Patriot Act was kind of pulling the cork out of the bottle, but now it's going to be awfully hard to get the genie back in. So what is your suggestion? I mean, since we can't get the genie back in, what can we do to to really enhance protection of privacy, which is closely related to liberty, right? I know it's a hard question. Since no, <laughs> yeah, it's not a hard question. It's a question of money and commitment and fear factors. Mm. Uh, the more afraid you are of what people are going to do, you know, if you don't do these things, the harder it is not to do them. The less money you have to throw at assessing these problems as opposed to actually just building the infrastructure to take care of them, the harder it is to make the, the proper assessments, mm-hmm. etc. You know, and the more money is behind building the systems, and there's quite a bit of it, you know, the harder it becomes. So it may be a question of you know, how long does Al-Qaeda and the jihadist movement uh, remain a primary threat yeah. on our radar screens. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is there going to come a time when there is not a primary military threat on the radar screens? It's very hard not to confuse these things with cyber attacks as well. Right. Because they are both technical threats, and it's easy to blur them. Yes. So if you've got to build the technology to fight cyber wars, you know, do you use those to detect the people who are fighting those cyber wars? You know, mm-hmm. It's always possible to detect the threat. You know, what can be done to stop it? Gee, you know, I, I wish I knew. You know, I suppose it would be great if somebody could throw a some real money at a committee that would try and come up with a balance. You know, or, or, you know a Sarbanes-Oxley-type group, you know, or... You know, the people who tried to uh, rebuild the financial monitoring and say what's needed and what's not. Right, a think tank. Uh Right, but right now you've got the Supreme Court. I mean, they're the final arbiters. Right. 
And, you know, I think ordinary people just don't know about this. They they really don't. I mean, we if it was on TV and there were more documentaries about what was going on and then people got involved and started writing things on the Internet and we had this whole social networking that was really angry about this kind of stuff, I think there would be a little bit of a, of a change because then people, it, it wouldn't matter that there's money um, well, not that it wouldn't matter, but it, there w- would be more of a formidable response when people don't know. They just, you know, they don't know this is happening. I mean, that that's my sense. Well, the, most people don't know that it's happening. Um, most people are not affected by it. People tend to react to things that affect them directly. And the perception of what's outrageous has a way of changing. Uh, do you remember the flap over the uh, full body scanners at the airport? Oh, yeah. I, I refused to go in. It. Yeah. I, right. But then there was going to be this protest one day. Right. And you know, it was one of those, what if they threw a protest and nobody came? And that's kind of what happened. Yeah. And so uh, apparently the uh, folks out in America at large decided that this was not something that was enough of a threat to them personally mm-hmm. to cause a reaction. So but there was, the, there was a big response on the Internet. I, I, I remember that. And, and I think that there have been some, some uh, that government has addressed some of these issues because of that. I mean, I mean, they still have them. I, I still won't go through them. I mean, I, I would rather have them pat me down than go through it just because I don't, I, I have read everything about all the radiation and everything else. I just don't want to do it. Well, I, I happen to agree with you. I, I personally don't want to do it. Uh, I have done it on a couple of occasions, simply because I was in a hurry. I had to, you know, I had to get on my plane. But yeah, I can't say that I liked it very much, and I yeah. find it offensive. But yes. then I think what's really going to... Uh, as long as the government does not act outrageously in using the information. Mm-hmm. People are going to tend to allow the government to accumulate it. And then the great danger is that one day a regime will come along yes. that really wants to misuse it, and it will all be there. And we've seen that before in history. You know, we, we've seen that before with the Nazis. When they, you know, before the Nazis were in power, they collected information about people's lives and their religion, etc. And then when when Hitler got in, he decided, okay, well, now we know we have all this information. Well, let's use it. Let's use it to cleanse the Germany. So, yeah, I, I think I think that people are forgetting that this stuff can be used um, to, to really harm people and to destroy what we think of as liberty. I, I really equate having control over your personal information to having liberty and freedom and and that's I think what is so disturbing is that in the name of security we are willing to give up all our privacy and our freedom and our security you know and our and our personal <laughs> security so to speak. Well right and right now we have a relatively benign administration. Uh, I don't think that the even the Bush administration was relatively benign in the way it used information uh, against Americans. Right. Uh, now, by the same token, 
you know, there, there are some real concerns when even as liberal or as uh, restrained administration as the Obama administration uh, will use a predator drone to assassinate an American citizen. Uh, granted, the guy is overseas. Granted, he's a jihadist. Granted, he's a dangerous person. Right. But there's something to be said about citizenship. You know, it does confer some protections. That's what we would have hoped, huh? Well, you know what? We are out of time. Can you believe that? We could talk forever. You are just so wonderful, Stephen. Thank you so much for all the great work you're doing for your wonderful blog. We're going to send people to Posner, P-O-S-N-E-R, law.com, and we will have you back again. Please stay in touch. Okay, Steve? I will. By the way, um, my the blogging that I do, and it tends to be a little bit sporadic, is not so much on my website, okay. but it's on the LexisNexis site. Okay, so LexisNexis, and so why don't you just give that URL real quick? Well, it's just LexisNexis.com, and then, or even just Lexis.com, and then, uh, you know, just look for my name. Okay, and, Steve you know, Posner. It, it'll pop up, and I'm going to try and start doing more blogging, you know, now that I've gotten the latest edition of the treatise out of the way. Okay. But well, my website is at... Uh, com, and certainly I welcome any visitors or anybody who wants to ask me a question is welcome to email me. Okay. Thanks, Steve. We got to go. We'll have you back soon. Thank you very okay. much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. right here on KUCI and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. Thank you. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.